You know every superhero gotta have theme music, right? People are crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going utterly mad. This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. I'm here to make a difference. Welcome to another episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about education, you care about economics. And so incidentally, that is the name of this podcast. We are framing it within the context of the recent rezoning that was done in Aiken County Public Schools. I did have a chance to sit down with the superintendent of Aiken County uh, Public Schools, none other than Dr. Sean Alford. He is, uh, as uh, you will hear later, uh, a friend of the show, someone who really has become a recurring guest on Making a Difference, largely because... Uh, not only is he uh, an exceptional leader in terms of his role as superintendent, but he's really someone with a lot of insight on fatherhood, on education, on socioeconomics within the framework of education. And you're going to get an opportunity to hear Dr. Alford speak on those things. Before we jump into the podcast, just want to thank uh, my friends over at the Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than the Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. I also want to thank my friends, Jesse and Doris Willard, with your locally owned H&R Block at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. I recommend them because of their 25 years in the business and also because they personally do my taxes. You can give them a call at 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. You guys know how I feel about brackets the only brackets that we should be doing during march are ncaa tournament brackets <laughs> not tax brackets but if you have not gotten your taxes done trust the willards with uh, your tax return again 706-305-1412 with no further ado let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with dr alford you're listening to making a difference i have a gentleman here who i mean he's a friend of the show he's not only a friend of the show he's a friend of the community i'm very excited to reintroduce to you all the uh, superintendent of Aiken County Schools, uh, Dr. Sean Alford. Dr. Alford, how are you doing today? I'm very well, sir. Good morning. Always glad to have you on the show, of course. The topic of conversation is uh, the rezoning that's uh, that has been uh, now has been approved by the school board, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I think the school board uh, made a wise decision in, in, in helping our community prepare for the future. Certainly. There's uh, been some, I will there's been some uh, misinformation that's come out about, you know, some of the rezoning and what it's going to look like. And that's why we're here with you today to hear uh, from you directly, um, you know, to get some, first of all, to uh, get a general idea of what the rezoning is going to look like. Right. Um, I, I want to kind of put it in perspective, a scale to start. Sure. You know, it was certainly our, our intent in doing a comprehensive study to get a good idea of how we can make things work for the community. Uh, but in also utilization of school facilities. But then we also wanted to minimize the impact on the community as well. You know, if you haven't done a comprehensive, and I mean corner-to-corner study of the district in over 30 years, uh, there are a number of things that you, that could be awry in that regard. Uh, but in the end, the board actually made a decision, Ken, that will probably impact about 500 students. Wow. But we've got 25,000. So when we look at this actual scale of it, uh, it was it was a minimal, minimal change. Uh, but anytime you talk about rezoning, um, 
you know, if it was if it was an easy conversation, it would happen more often in thirty years. <laughs> so we realize that everybody's not going to be happy with the decisions, um, but it's our job at this point to help folks understand how those those decisions impact their lives. Uh, so that's how we're moving forward right now. Good to know. I want to get some of the logistics behind it. What it's going to look like, look like in terms of you know the um, I understand that all sixth graders are going to be in in one uh, centralized location, then seventh and eighth grade they're going to go to uh, separate schools from there. Or do I have that right? Maybe I have it wrong. No, no, <laughs> you, you got a good start there. And, and in the Aiken area, you know, the folks here call it Area 1. Yes. Um, yeah, there are three middle schools, and we're really excited about the conceptual change that the board has approved uh, to realign or reconfigure the grade spans at those three schools. Uh, we've traditionally had six through eight middle schools, uh, but we wanted to try to do something a little bit different. Uh, to boost the academic performance at all three sites. This is not about one site. This is about all three sites. Uh, so we believe that if we could narrow the focus uh, for all three schools, that would help to kind of put some things aside that may be distractions for us. Uh, but then also it was a wonderful way to bring some balance across those three schools. Uh, they're very close. They're all really sit almost on the same road, the bypass. True. Um, and they're probably within eight to 10 miles total. So when you look at it, we had three schools in the same community that really are not identical schools. They're not very close to each other in size and or demographic makeup. If you look anywhere else in our county, North Augusta, Midland Valley, Silver Blood, it doesn't matter where you look. If you look at the middle schools that are in those communities, you can almost take the, the names off the building and switch them. <laughs> They're that similar. Yes. They're very, very similar schools. Uh, LBC and Lavelle, literally almost the identical type of school, size and, and demographic makeup. Um, but we had vast differences here in, in, in Aiken. Uh, some schools where only four of ten students there were, were students from what the federal government would define as a poverty background. Uh, but then you go over to, to Aiken Middle School and eight and a half out of ten students were from what the federal government would say was a, a poverty background. Um, Kennedy Middle School was almost twice the size as Schofield Middle and Aiken Middle, whose, whose enrollment has been declining over the past three years. Uh, there are a number of differences. Uh, so we want to make sure first and foremost that all three schools had equal footing uh, and an opportunity to move forward. Uh, from from adult decisions, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that from the the adult, the adult decisions have to really provide opportunity for all three schools. Sure. Uh, so now that the board has uh, allowed us an opportunity to do that in this sixth grade intermediate model, uh, now the hard work begins. We've got to roll our sleeves up to make sure that the community is proud in the end that we have three high performing middle schools, whereas in the past we have not. It's and. <clears throat> It's really impressive to see you all put in the work in terms of, you know, doing the study, doing the research, as you talk about, you know, this uh, this comprehensive study, but then to get the results back in to be able to make a socioeconomic decision. That's something that, that we've seen you do here very consistently. And of course, those things are, are a challenge, but not, and I always love to talk to you about those things. How is it that, and I mean, it seems to me that you're always able to really, I mean, 
when the going gets tough, ultimately you you end up making the the best socioeconomic decision for the district. What where does that come from? And it, it seems like it just, it just goes just a little deeper than X's and O's, if you will, or just the numbers, if you will. It's community. It's community. You know, we're very proud in Aiken of our history. We're proud of our community. Um, but then we're also divided geographically into smaller communities. Um, but what we've tried to do as a school district uh, since I've been here is really emphasize the importance of one team. Uh, we are small communities, yes, but we are a comprehensive community. Uh, we have an obligation to our brother who lives next door, our neighbor who lives next door. We've got that responsibility. And, and, and until we begin to think in that global perspective or through those global lenses, we'll continue to fight each other for limited resources instead of working together to procure enough resources for us all so really that's where that's that's the the comprehensive viewpoint that we move from but when i came and and, I, and i've said it I, i'll say it from the, the top of the tallest mountain uh all means all period you've heard me say it yes we're going to continue to say it it is our responsibility in the spirit of public education to make sure that every child has an opportunity to have access to a high-quality high educational experience. Now, whether or not they take advantage of it, that, that mostly falls on the responsibility of the parent and that student. But the adults in this organization have a responsibility to provide access. So when we fall short in that regard, that's unacceptable. So what we've done is we've just taken time, we've taken stock, we've looked in the mirror to determine those areas where we may not be providing access for every student in Rich Spring, every student in Trenton, New Holland, Montmorency. We have to make sure we're providing access for every kid. We are not going to have have and have not schools. Those things are consistent. Uh, and I think the decisions that you see and the decisions our community sees, they fall in line with those principles. You know, that it's nothing new. That's what we've said on day one, and now this is the end. We're in year three. It's the same. More to come with Dr. Sean Alford after we pay these bills. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355.
Tax problems giving you the blues. Tax liens, levies, garnishments, unfiled tax returns, denied a passport because you owe back taxes. I'm Jesse Willard with your locally owned H&R Block in Hepsiburg. We have over 25 years of experience in representing clients with tax problems, and we can help you to jazz up your life. Contact us at 706-305-1412 to schedule your free consultation. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. I want to continue uh, with the logistics. The concerns about, you know, making sure we don't have have and have not schools, of course, was high on the list. But there was also an issue in terms of uh, rampant growth in certain areas and, in your words, utilization. It's a challenge for us, uh, and it's an immediate challenge for us. You know, the community blessed us with the support of the One Cent Sales Initiative in 2014, and I think the community is well pleased with the result that they see. The new Lavelle McCampbell, the new Aiken High, the new North Augusta High School, I mean, they're immaculate. They are wonderful representations of what the standard of excellence should be for us moving forward. Uh, Without that assistance, we would be in, in dark times right now. So we appreciate that. Uh, but I believe the planning at that time was appropriate, and things have changed since that time. Uh, I don't think folks were able to take into account the westward migration of students, the whole cyber-impacted growth spurt that's taking place uh, at the river between Augusta and North Augusta. Sure. Georgia at the state level and South Carolina at the state level now amassing resources in the CSRA. Uh, those things were not on the table of, for planning at that time. Well, since that time, not only are they on the table, but they, they are making a massive, massive impact in, in the footprint. The state of Georgia has invested over $100 million in Augusta for cyber-related purposes. The United States Army has invested two-thirds of its international construction budget into Fort Gordon. That's the, that was, you're crunching the numbers. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you, if the United States military has placed, just the Army, one branch, has placed two-thirds of its entire construction budget in Fort Gordon, that's not, that's not conjecture. Those aren't rosy ideas. Something is about to happen there. The city of North Augusta, in the year 2017, doubled in residential and commercial investment the best year that they'd ever had. The best year they had for commercial and residential investment was 2004, was $62 million. This year they topped $119 million. That's twice as much than they than the, any prior year's best investment. So we have very clear signs that there's a, a, a congregation of resources that are taking place in North Augusta in in the, in the river area. Um, but then also our student numbers are showing it. We've got four elementary schools in North Augusta right now. Three of the four are 96% capacity and over. Marcy Creek is over 100%, and North Augusta City Council approved a new subdivision in their school zone, I think it was three weeks ago. They had second reading on a new apartment complex on Monday night that's going to be in the North Augusta elementary zone. 
there are 13 subdivisions, 13 subdivisions that have already been approved and rooftops have not started yet in North Augusta. Again, this is not conjecture. We're not projecting. We're not forecasting. We're looking at actual financial investment. So if people are spending money, that's a clear sign. They're ramping up. We have to prepare for that. We have an opportunity to experience, and I know I'm getting long here, but this oh, is this is, this is important. Absolutely. The Savannah River site has been the economic cornerstone of this region for over 70 years. Very few communities in, in the nation can, can say that they have experienced the benefit of an economic driver like that. We are so fortunate in Aiken, it's almost like a, an embarrassment of riches. Not only do we have the site and the possibility for new missions there, but now we have the Department of Defense on the other, on the other, our other neighbor, on the other side, that's gearing up for a life-changing economic development engine and technology that is going to have that is going to draw hundreds of thousands of people to this area, professionals. When people say Augusta in the same sentence as they say London, Tel Aviv, as possible cyber capitals of the world in the near future, we have opportunity. As a school district, we want to draw as many students to this community. I'm sure the citizens and the residents want to as well. We're not going to be able to do that with schools that have 30 to 32 kids per class that were built in 1954 and are not as secure as they need to be, that don't manage HVAC systems as well as they should, and aesthetically they're just not pleasing. So if we want to bring business and industry to Aiken, everybody says it starts with K-12 education. That, we, we believe it. I mean that that I mean that's 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 a great breakdown right there. I want to to, to shift gears and I I want to get into the meat of some of the, the commentaries that I heard from some of the folks who, you know, oppose this. To me, if you if you if you if you've listened to the first 15 minutes of this podcast, I mean, I I was sold before because I understood the ramifications of it because I am a child of, of Aiken County, graduated from here, went to North Aiken Elementary School, went to Schofield Middle School, graduated from Aiken High School in 2001. So I understand. I've, I've seen the demographics of, of what you're talking about, particularly in those challenged areas. But I'm, I'm, I'm hearing complaints and I'm, I'm hearing concerns and issues and some petulance um, from folks who are saying, well, you know, I, I don't like this plan. I'm going to put my kid in private school is what I'm hearing. And so I, I want to juxtapose, and because I, I know you have concerns about this as well, in terms of public education versus private education. And a lot of times it seems like when we have those discussions, the folks who are the stewards of public education are, are playing defense. But it seems like that you are, you have an idea of what you want to do, and aggressive is not the word. I would say punch and counterpunch. I would say you're, you're being very decisive in terms of what it is that you see maximizing public education 
uh, talk about that, and I'm I'm sure you have those concerns. How do you how do you deal with those? I, I wouldn't call them concerns. I I think they are considerations. Hmm. They are. Um, I've got six kids. Everybody knows I've got six kids. The <laughs> Lord's blessed me, um, and I do believe that a parent's responsibility is to choose how their child is educated. For all of my children, I have chosen deliberately where they attend school. It just so happens that they've all attended a public school, but it was the best school for them at that time. So I don't argue any parent's right to choose that the God, God gives you, the new father, God gives you the responsibility of making sure your child is cared for and educated. It's your responsibility. So I don't have an issue with private schools. I don't have an issue with homeschool. I don't have an issue with charter schools. I am a public school advocate because the mission and the spirit is totally different. Public schools are designed to ensure the future of our democracy. This republic cannot continue to operate without an educated citizenry. That's not the mission of private schools. That's not the mission of homeschools, nor charter schools. It's not. The mission of public schools is to make sure that if you are Sean Alfred's son, or you are Mary Lynn's child, we live on family land that my grandfather left for us, or I live by the lake, it doesn't matter. Every individual has an opportunity to access the knowledge base they need to make good decisions and contribute to our democracy. That's what public education is all about. And that's why I'm an advocate for public education. But privates, charters, homeschools are not designed with that purpose. It's not an altruistic purpose there. That's a, an, an egocentric is not the right word. I wouldn't use that as a word or purpose, but it's designed to meet the needs of those individuals particularly, not the greater whole or the greater good. So you have circumstances, and I'll just be very pointed and direct, where the, the community at some point in time has to say, is that healthy? If we have a charter school that sits 15 to 16 miles outside the city limits and students aren't able to go there unless your parents can afford to drive at least 50 miles a day to take you there and bring you back, is that a school that allows equal opportunity for every student to attend? The point of answer to that is no. There are some students who are not going to be able to, just by that one factor, have an opportunity to attend that school. So how can you tell me then the mission of that school is to make sure that we have an educated citizenry? It's, 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 it's just not. Those things are just opposed. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm a public school advocate because of the spirit and the understanding of the mission. And it's altruistic nature. And, and with that power comes a certain responsibility. And I know 
uh, part of the success of what you all are proposing, there's a funding that goes with that. And this is, I'm just going to ask you specifically about the funding, but I also want to tell the folks who are listening, you know, I, I think that's the other part. Uh, disingenuous may be the wrong word, but when you talk about public and, and private education, I think that's the concern when you say, well, hey, we're going to put a certain amount of public dollars into private schools with the understanding that there's not uh, equal opportunity there. So you all are looking for funding, looking for support for you all's initiatives. But of course, this is for public education. Talk about the importance of that and, and, and why the allocation of funding there is so important. Financial resources are important. We certainly don't want to downplay them. Um, but, you know, I, I know some school districts who have very low per-pupil expenditures and high academic achievement. Mm -hmm. It's about expectation. It's about expectation and how well, uh, as a system, you can organize the folks who are on your team, teachers, leaders, parents, to execute that mission. So is, does it all hang on, on dollars? No. Uh, but I tell you what, that, that's, that's gasoline in the engine to help make it go, for sure. So now when legislators and, and our political climate continues to siphon funding away from that public cause into private or charter causes that do not, again, directly support the altruistic vision of our democracy, our republic, then I think you can you continue to see things moving. I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from political statements today, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. You see more and more in our society today individuals who feel as if they have the right to make an opinionated statement, but there's no responsibility to make sure that it's an informed opinion. You preaching? Go go ahead, dog. I'm about to pass the play. <laughs> <laughs> so so that lack of information and or the individual's self discipline to say I need to make sure I know what I'm talking about, so that when I share, it's more than what I believe. That that's that's a great example of the gap. An individual who's educated to participate. In, in, a, in a way that our republic requires and those that are not but are participating anyway then you have those who just don't participate at all so to come back to your question again money is not the end all be all it's a necessity without a doubt when, when that pot diminishes on the public side you will have diminishing results most times. So if we have a concern about the future of our republic and whether or not all citizens have a right to participate, then those are decisions that folks are going to have to make in political arenas moving forward because sometimes the decisions are not, they don't support a belief in educating all. I, I tell you guys what I, I want to apologize to to the group, to the people listening in because you know we do have to cut this interview short. I could talk to Dr. Alfred for for hours, and you know we'll be able to get this great insight. Doc, where can people go to get information about what you all are doing? I know they can go to the um, to the website, the Aiken County website. You'll give them that information. Absolutely. Um, anything you want to know as it relates to the town hall meetings, the 
enrollment trends study, the demographic numbers, uh, the recommendations that the board approved, how those things are going to impact the individual communities. They're all right on our homepage, which is uh, www.acpsd.net. And that's an acronym for Aiken County Public School District. Um, you can go there and click on the town hall link and you'll find at least 20 to 25 artifacts there uh, to provide you specific information. But then we're also, I know we're scheduled to start community meetings at individual schools that are uh, impacted uh, a little bit more than others. We're going to start those on February 20th. I believe the first one is at Millbrook Elementary School on February 20th, Chugger Creek Elementary School on the 21st. Uh, we'll be meeting with the public here in the near future because, um, you know, the work's not done. The work's never done. It isn't. Uh, we've got we've got a North Star now that the board has, has made those decisions, and we have some aspirations to strive toward. Um, but again, like I said earlier, now's the time to roll up our sleeves and, ma and make this thing work because we've got to address the overcrowding schools and the continued growth. Another point, and I'll close. Millen Valley High School is over capacity right now. It's at 110% capacity. It's got nine portables on that campus right now and five teachers who do not have a classroom. They push a cart all day, every day, and they just use open classrooms throughout the day to teach their class. So, you know, a student like you who was a great writer, uh, could have aced the paper, and teacher didn't have anywhere to hang it up and say, great job, Mr. Macon. Uh, look at look at Mr. Macon's 100 here. They just don't have a place to hang it up. They don't have a classroom. Um, but the rising ninth grade class is 18% larger than the current graduating class. And that increase is going to continue to roll through year after year. So there is no relief in sight at Mellon Valley High School for the next 10 to 12 years. None. If we are not able to respond and add those additional 24 classrooms there as soon as possible, we will have a sea of at least 20 to 25 portables on that campus. A cafeteria that cannot hold the core number. We cannot, we won't be able to do any assemblies in the gym. We'd have to pull them in by class. They're too large, it's too large now to be even in, in the auditorium. The freshman class has trouble getting into the auditorium itself. Um, so it's those types of things. You know, I don't know if you ever go through traffic down on Sutherland Lake and Mustang Drive oh, in the morning. That's that's uh, literally, that's that's close to home. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. Yes. It's a mess down there. So now add another 250 kids to that school. Wow. So there are burning issues that are ahead of us that we still have a lot of work to do. And we just want the community to know what those issues are. Um when the polls open on May 1st. Thank you so much, Dr. Offer. Always good to speak with you, my friend. As well. Congratulations to you. All right, so the episode just ended and you're mad. MAD making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond. Social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show and you can keep up with social commentaries you can also know when the podcasts are coming out you can also know when our video logs are coming out and 
that's the way you can keep up with that it's facebook.com backslash make a difference show you can also keep up with us on twitter my twitter handle is difference making that's d-i-f-f-e-r-e-n-c-e making m-a-k-i-n if you want to follow the soundcloud podcast you can do so by going to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference if you're interested in advertising with making a difference you can shoot an email to making m-a-k-i-n a difference show at gmail.com that's making a different show at gmail.com thank you so much for your support i love you guys peace and god bless you win perfect